0: Welcome to Parley, the Hindus' weekly discussion podcast. I am Varghese Kejaur, your host for today. On Independence Day, the Prime Minister announced the National Digital Health Mission, under which every Indian will get a health ID card. The Prime Minister said, and I quote, Every time you visit a doctor or a pharmacy, everything will be logged in this card from the doctor's appointment to the medication, everything will be available in your health profile, unquote. The national health, digital health mission seeks to create an ecosystem under which health records will be digitized and doctors, hospitals, pharmacies, diagnostic services, insurance companies, researchers will all be under that network. Later on, the government clarified that it would be voluntary, uh, data will be stored locally, only anonymized data will be shared upwards, etc. Aggregation of data by private and state entities has emerged as a major concern, and for valid reasons, and we shall come to that soon. The decennial census, which has traditionally been the most expansive data collection by the state, is was also supposed to happen right now, but this year it has uh, been disrupted by the pandemic. And we do not know when Census 2021 could move forward, along with the more controversial National Population Register updating. We also have a new education policy, another component of the holy grail of demographic dividend that we seek. Critics believe that the real challenge that India faces in health and education is the absence of even minimal facilities that cannot be overcome by merely capturing data. So the question that we discuss today is, will real-time capturing of demographic data, birth, death, etc., and health indicators of the population lead to benefits that outweigh perceived and real risks of erosion of privacy? How much is too much when it comes to data harvesting? How do we achieve the right balance between privacy on the one hand and innovation and efficiency on the other. To discuss this, we have Mr. A.R. Nanda. He's a demographer who had a distinguished and long career in the Indian administrative service as Registrar General and Census Commissioner of India. And as Health Secretary of India, he has dealt with these questions intimately. Vangit Srinivasan is a Boston-based technology entrepreneur, an expert in artificial intelligence and computational algorithms in multiple domains, including finance, accounting, health, and education. He has founded several successful AI led startups, most recently English Helper and uh, Know Your Meds, that uses technology tools to solve some intractable problems in education and health. He holds nine patents and has published over 30 research papers. So, uh, let me uh, begin with you, uh, Mr. Srinivasan. How can technology transform data collection and analysis?
1: Thanks for that. Uh... Kind introduction, Vergis. Uh, I think first thing, as I heard you introduce the uh, context and background, you can't think of data without technology, right? And this is digital data. And of course, it is important to recognize the privacy issues. But the only way you, I think you need to think about this is transforming health outcomes and health access and health care and not separate data alone. Right? That's the first sort of quick reaction. And technology, the use of this data with technology, I think is the real intent of this policy. As you know, in the US we've had this electronic health records initiative for a while. Uh, so yes, technology can, if used properly, and I underscore that, can dramatically transform acts, uh, healthcare at all levels. So one part of it, of course, technology can't work without data, right? So there's many levels. So it can be at the population level, as you have alluded to, it could be at the individual health level. And uh, maybe those are two important levels to think of, right? At population level, you can, uh, all of a sudden you now have, uh, as in the pandemic, right? You have the ability, public health can't be really effective controlling uh, outbreaks and other kinds of interventions can't be quite effective unless you have the ability to pinpoint uh, at a population level, like de anonymous. At an individual level, you have several levels of benefits, right? All of a sudden, you're a migrant worker from one place to another now has the ability to go to a doctor anywhere. And then, then, frankly, um, through this initiative that we launched, you know, we know in, in India, hundreds of millions of people don't have access to quality health care. Right? So you have now with this pandemic, the only silver lining I see is that you now have the Indian government has allowed for digital health, which allows a lot more people access, at least on paper. I'm sure that will happen over time. So, but let me stop there and, and see if I just started to begin to answer your question.
0: Yes, yes. Thank you uh, for that response. So, uh, Ms. Ananda, uh, yes. what problems do we currently face when it comes to demographic and health data in terms of samples, the frequency, accuracy, the range of the data? Since you've been in this uh, 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 field for a long time, from starting as a district, from from being a district magistrate to heading it at a national level, you have seen it all very up close. Can you capture for us What problems do we face when it comes to the quality and the range of uh, data in India? Uh,
2: Yes, uh, I heard uh, Srinivasan. Yeah, I agree. I mean, on that aspect that technology can transform. But with regard to your question Uh about uh, the the problems Uh that we are currently facing, we have been facing for quite some time. Right. Uh, facing in our demographic and health data. Uh, as, for example, we have said on sampling, there are sampling problems, there are non-sampling errors, uh, quality, then the frequency. You see, they're very, very, it's not cost effective if you are holding it very frequently. The use, uh, for example, the demographic health survey or the, uh, you know, family health survey but then there was a lot of hesitation on that but uh, we have decided to have it more frequently but uh, there are problems as I said of uh, the sampling problems of use sampling if you want to do every year uh, and the cost goes up and then about accuracy and range you see small area data sharing that all those problems are also there which is the question of uh, data privacy and uh, you know data security all those problems will be there but basically the problems of uh, we are currently facing is uh, because i think one has to think of uh, uh, use more and more of technology but at the same time have all those money and to monitor it uh, in a manner and to uh, sort of enable the data collectors whether it is a tra- sensors or survey uh, in very intensely uh, so that uh, the quality is maintained and it is also monitored properly uh, and mo- the monitoring system we have I mean one can have the technology to aid in monitoring uh, the, there can be you know uh, the, the use of uh, uh, the technology for uh, even the you know things like mobile data collection uh, which have already been tried in smaller ways in different places but going to be a, a, you know used in this uh, the the coming census mm-hmm. uh, which will most probably be held in 2022 instead of 2021
3: mm-hmm. but
2: 2021 they will have the first phase of house listing and housing census so what uh, I would like to say that these problems uh-huh. uh, are not, you know, they are daunting, but at the same time they are they could be solved.
0: So uh, did 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 you ever in your career as a demographer and a planner in uh, all these areas did you ever wish that if only the technology had been better?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, you are right. I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, uh-huh. it is just. Not only if the technology is better, but we did feel, for example, I am associated with the Indian census Uh since the 1971 census as a district census officer. Uh And then 81 as a state census director Uh and 91 as the head of the Indian entire census organization. I Uh saw Uh the the resistance to technology and uh, non-accessibility of uh, the the technology and some were not available. Uh So we went from one to the very very uh, you know 1971 I remember Uh where very crude way we were using and then of course we went in 81 to Uh mainframe computer Uh and that was a big jump I mean for us Uh and we have the data entry systems we trained them it came out quite well there were problems of Uh uh, you know, uh-huh. validation, data validation and all that, but it was taking a long, long time to get the data of the census. Four, uh-huh. I, three years, four years, five years, six uh-huh. years, even uh-huh. till the next census comes nine years. Uh-huh. So these have been our problems. Uh-huh. Similarly, in the demographic health survey, uh-huh. the first demographic health survey, family health survey, I was associated in 92, 93, uh-huh. but we improved the system in the next day, 98, 99, And then later on, in the next, we have been able to use a little bit. But I think now they are using in a much
0: bigger way. Let me stop you there, sir, and uh, bring in Mr. Srinivasan. uh, What is it that uh, is possible today because of technology, which we could not have uh, dreamed of, say, one decade ago, in terms of collecting data, keeping it safe, and using it for better public good?
1: I think you nicely framed it in those three buckets. So, collection uh, for all of the real challenges that um, Mr. Nanda described, which which were real, right? I've lived through those times, Mr. Nanda, through the mainframe days, the card punch days, etc. Technology is the only solution, right? It is a, it is an excellent solution on the collection side. You can enable it on the mobile uh, phone. You can um, enable it in tablet. You can enable it in machine, etc. And today, the technology can be a lot more smarter, so you can use um, algorithms, AI algorithms to uh, to detect quality issues, which Mr. Nanda rightly pointed out, right? At the end of the day, it's garbage in, garbage out, and in this case where data is the main purpose of data collection, quality is obviously critical, right? It's critical everywhere, but here it is even more, uh, if I can can think of it as more critical, it is. And so you can detect it and often it is impossible to, uh, to fix quality issues after the fact, right? It's very hard. And whether it is sampling or whether, in fact, I would say that you can expand the sample with today's technology at much, much lower cost, right? You can enable these devices, computing devices that can use a store and forward type architecture, meaning that if you don't have the internet connectivity, you can store it locally for, for, you know, for temporarily. And then at the moment you have connectivity, you can forward. So there's lots of advances in terms of <laughs> connectivity, but I'd say quality is where I think the biggest advances uh, will, will be felt because you can control it through many kinds of pattern matching looking for trends looking you know all real time so that's one on the collection side uh, so i'd say today collection can be i would I'll argue that collection can be expanded significantly right at much lower cost the second uh, part is the is a real uh, part the issue which is the privacy and and security side and that i think Technology has come a long way, but you know, even today you hear daily reports of hacking everywhere. So, you know, now of course we still use credit cards and we use, you know, identity thefts are common, but we still have digital identities and work with them and somehow have learned to work around them. But I think my thinking is yes, you will make the technology really robust and there are several ways of doing it. You can you know, create levels of anonymization in the technology, so it's much, much harder for somebody to, to figure out who you are, and, uh, unless somebody has the ability. You give the individual the control, like it, the uh, National Health Commission seems to have done by making it voluntary, and if people start seeing the benefits, then they will obviously volunteer more. So technology can be, uh, you could use today lots of the same AI algorithms to protect and prevent theft. Uh, But I think it also has to be complemented with some two other things I would suggest. One is a a, uh, legal framework that ensures that you you have a a very effective deterrent for anybody who is caught stealing or misusing health personal health data, right? That's one. And and it has to be enforceable, not just on paper. And a third element, which I would uh, think of is making it independent of any political machinery. So possibly create an independent commission, just like you have the Central Election Commission, create a Central Health Commission and let the head Central Health Commission have the independence and make sure they protect the data and that nobody else, unless they are authorized, can have access to it, right? The individual and maybe the central health, some sort of an independent body that is outside the, uh, because the other concern could be what if you know, people in power, say, quote unquote, misuse this data,
0: right? Okay. I think,
1: uh, yeah. You
0: you are for uh, increased uh, deployment of technology and uh, AI uh, for these yes. purposes with uh, a right. proper regulatory framework, which you think will be bringing immense good, to public good, right? That's
1: right. I mean, yeah. example. Quick, sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll,
0: yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take, take that. that. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll take that question to uh, you, Mr. Ananda. So there yes. is concern I mean, that we we are current as we speak. We are in India debating the uh, the the personal data data protection bill uh, many people have said that uh, the powers that the government retains in that framework which is uh, i mean which are sweeping in nature because there are various uh, widely vaguely defined ways in which uh, state agencies can access that uh, private data so do you think we we are still a long way uh, before we could uh, get a satisfactory reassuring legal framework which could which enables the use of data uh, in a secure manner and the, sir? yeah
2: yeah we have uh, already some uh, legal framework mm-hmm. under which whether it is the census or uh, it is the you know the s- certain surveys of course they have said national Health sample survey mm-hmm. uh, the national sample survey organization survey and a few other surveys are covered, I mean, in terms of protecting the privacy, protecting the, you know, all that issue, but the problem is these, uh, the, the, the organizations who are supposed to, to handle this and to give the justice in this are not independent, strictly independent regulatory authorities. Uh, They are, for example, the Census Commissioner of India uh, has the power under the Indian Census Act to say no. I had said no even to some state governments and even the government of India asking for using the data for certain purposes. For example, in 1991 for uh, bringing out, taking out the the you know caste and other things to to go for a survey caste wise uh-huh. based on uh-huh. the the census uh, forms that uh-huh. were there so that but uh, that was refused and they at that time they they didn't raise much objection because they had to go for a separate survey later on uh-huh. on caste census as you know right but uh-huh making an independent regulatory commission like the election commission, as it has been said, yeah. is one solution when you are getting into these use of uh, technology in a bigger way, going for uh, you know all these issues like national population register mm-hmm. uh, with uh, along with census or housing census. So I think that that is a necessity for that. And I have written it in a book which I have, uh, have been published on bureaucracy. Yeah. In which yeah. I have said that, uh, like the national uh, 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 sort of census commission has mm. to be established. So,
0: uh, so uh, would, yeah. So, so you you also support the idea of uh, the the uh, an independent autonomous regulatory framework. But do you fear, considering the political uh, uh, the, the the fractious politics that we have in this country, you do you, do you figure vindictive? action by the state agencies or other private agencies who might actually be able to access this data on political, economic or ideological ground because across the UADA, GSTN and now the proposed health uh, data, uh, mm. the, it actually gives a complete profile of a person, uh, whether social, economic, personal and at one level even their political persuasions. Do you fear or do you are you concerned that uh, uh, That is a risk that we will need to do more to mitigate.
2: Yeah, that's a risk. That's a risk which cannot be just wished away. But at the same time, you have to. One has to see the what you call public good, Uh the overall. So that once you have a law, which will maybe on the constitution put in the constitution with an amendment to put this commission. Uh, the Census and Survey Commission or something like that, the you know Statistical Commission of India has also uh, sort of earlier had recommended that. So I think we need to go for that. I, but you, know, you are that suggesting
0: I go beyond a mere law and have a constitutional provision that enables absolutely, all... Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, I mean despite, yeah. so, when yeah. at that, uh, that point, would you be able to uh, throw some light on how the United States... For instance, or other examples yes. from the world, in other parts of the world, mm. how do they yeah. deal with this question, tricky question of privacy and public good, when it comes so to it?
3: Sorry,
1: yeah. So the, the as you know, we have this law called HIPAA, uh-huh. which has been uh, was enacted and is being enforced quite effectively, I would say. Right, I think there's a some, same concerns here as well in the U.S. Right, privacy across spectrum, and there is now recently there was a lot of was a very controversial uh, idea of declaring your citizenship and so on, and which in this country is a very uh, controversial issue because of various uh, uh, various temporal sorts of happenings here. Now, I think so. I think uh, something like a HIPAA is absolutely critical. What, what is HIPAA? HIPAA. Some- HIPAA is the Health Information Protection Act in mm-hmm. the U.S. where if I, my uh, health information is with my doctor, mm-hmm. uh, has, uh, and even my doctor, by the way, there are certain information which I don't have to disclose. Obviously, you know, you would want to disclose everything to a doctor. If you, uh, I mean, that's a relationship of trust. Uh-huh. But nobody else can request it. So let's say you go take, do a blood test. Uh-huh. That blood test results can only be sent to your doctor and you, and nobody else can request it. Even your family members can't request it,
0: uh-huh. unless they have
1: got what you we call a healthcare proxy. Uh-huh. So, health, so that is a one level of protection, right? This data is now stored in um, various electronic health record systems, which of course are, have their, you know, I'm sure they have as tight a level of security as you can, they can implement. I wouldn't say, you know, no software today is hack proof, right? I mean, you can always get in, but I think they do as good a job as you possibly can. I'm sure they encrypt it to highest levels of encryption and so forth. But the regulatory framework is very important. When I go pick up prescription medicine at the pharmacy for my parents, uh, I've, I, first of all, I have to have a healthcare proxy for them. Two, I have to sign several disclosures right there that, you know, I have this permission, I have that permission. And they way so they were for enormous cost to the system, right? Enormous cost. But obviously people thought it was important. And so that's, it's in place. And so, yeah.
0: How is that data used for, uh, a- uh, a meta-analysis and uh, public policy making. When you have those so kind of r- fencing, public
1: out? policy, public policy making. I think the use is increasing, but it is not as extensive. So, as an example, uh, in the, the for the uh, pandemic treatment, there have been some. For you, know, hosp- you have to remember another thing: most of the hospitals here or medical facilities here are private. Right. And 90% of them are up. I don't know the percentage, but a large number are private. And we have private health insurance. So what we we have a slightly diff, you know, different system than India, of course. And so the issue here is many of these private hospitals were not talking to each other. And the idea of, in the, before the electronic health records, I'm not talk, talking about both a population level and individual level. All of a sudden now, a much greater amount of information sharing has happened. So when you go from one hospital to another because you go to a specialist or you go to somebody else,
3: this this
1: was a, a big issue 10 years ago. Today, by the way, all this information is available almost real time. It doesn't matter where you're going. Your x-rays are being pulled up. Your test results are being pulled up. So it's enabled much effective uh, public good at the individual patient level. Right, That's one. Second, at the population level, all of a sudden these hospitals are all talking to each other and they're all sharing information on not only on uh, individual patients, but on incidents of this, say, the virus and who is coming, who is not going. Right? This is being collected by the state. This is a little bit de-anonymized data, so people have less of an issue. They only share aggregate data, meaning uh, they don't share patient name and address, and then, I mean, I, in some cases, maybe they do to prevent, they con- will contact tracing and prevent spreading. But for the first time, you will see uh, people contributing data to, let's say, the state government. So state government can monitor the spread of uh, the virus and uh, take some appropriate uh, public health action. The so one thing I would say, yeah, no, go ahead.
3: Yeah, yeah finish, go, finish, finish, your your thought.
1: Thought. To finish yeah. Your the one thing I would say is, generally speaking, and that this speaks to the broader issue of census, mm-hmm. I've seen some, I, I would mention then, that I've seen some uh, some work out of Harvard by, <clears throat> excuse me, a professor called Raj Chetty. Really interesting, brilliant work. And even in the U.S., the census data frequency while it is good, it's too too far apart, right? One of the interesting issues in this public health crisis is that we have all these policy interventions. Now, I'm going beyond health. Let's say we had, in this country, you had these loans that were given to businesses. And in India, I'm sure, various kinds of interventions. The issue is these policy interventions are all based on data that is not very real-time. That right? is, you know, two years old, three years old, five years old. I will come
0: back to you on that question. Uh, again. Okay. So let me take that question to Mr. Nanda. Nanda can you hear me?
2: Yes, yes I can yeah.
0: hear you. So, so the, the senior census which has been around for more than 130 years now, that is very expansive, elaborate and it uh, involves the deployment of huge uh, human resources. Still we end up with uh, this, uh, this this interval which is more than a decade and now in the midst of a pandemic even that has been disrupted and we, we are facing a crisis so now we might be able to use technology to make this into real time counting you can record deaths and uh, births and uh, a whole lot of associated data including the family uh, health surveys all those things can be made real time using technology do you think that is a uh, that, that, that that's a good path to take for a country like india
2: uh, well, I mean, that's that's a distinct possibility, but I think some countries of the world have already gone into that. For example, uh, some of the European countries like Germany and uh, one or two other countries had already done away with census, the, their decennial or decadal census. Uh-huh. They are been doing it, you know, real-time data almost annually. They are getting all the, the, the here. We are, we have to... We, I mean, we have to wait for a, quite a long period, maybe another uh, two decades. If you, And we <clears throat> improve the system of our birth and death and marriage registration, uh, the other vital statistics registration, uh, which is supposed to be done in a year time, regularly. And certificates are uh, supposed to be available on time. So that uh, it has improved, but it has not come except, in a few urban areas, uh, uh, metropolis and all that, not to the level where you can say that you can uh, make the data usable and also uh, won't have to go for a, you know, the same data for a census. But there are other types of data which are also collected in census, the cultural, the economic data, the social data. You see, we are a, you know, diversity of language, Uh of uh you know uh, culture of uh, um, uh, you you know these things so they have to be captured but that also Uh could be captured not necessarily every 10 years i mean Uh it could be done uh, maybe into 25 years once Uh why why do you need uh, the language and religion data to be you know done that way
0: right so
2: so there are many ways that uh,
0: frequency can be increased and you think that should be the way to go. Yes. Yeah. Sir, uh, so, when so, we get the same question to you, so uh, the, the, that's a question, uh, that's an uh, area that you touched upon in your earlier response. So, how feasible is that this uh, idea, technologically, to have real time collection of at least the basic data because most of this data, there are uh, contact points where people access services uh, through a system, do you think it is technologically feasible and for both also economically feasible for a country like India to have a real-time ongoing census rather than wait for 10 years?
1: Okay, totally. In fact, I would say you know, it's, it's really not going to be very expensive at all because of the form factor, the technology costs have come down so dramatically and you have such large penetration of mobile phones in India. And uh, I think it's a matter of, of course, individuals have to be willing to report. And that's really where I suspect India's challenge might lie, right? Or any country's challenge, really, is the initial change management and getting people to report report this kind of data and understand it's important. So if they see a personal benefit, then I'm sure people will be more willing. So technology-wise, on the collection side, I think totally feasible. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, you can introduce a lot of intelligent algorithms that detect the quality of the source, right? As I'm entering my data, uh, that is the point at which you stop and, and uh, have a friendly uh, message to the, to the data input uh, person, say, look, no, no, this doesn't seem to make sense and here is why. What's well, important there to be uh, an angle that we have to be very careful about work is is the idea of uh, fairness, transparency, and accountability, right? I think that uh, when you think about intelligent algorithms, I've never been, as you know, I'm a a total proponent of only traceable uh, technologies. And traceability here implies that you should be able to understand exactly what happened, not a black box, right? At the individual level, you can't afford to do that. And that will gain uh, gain more acceptability. So that's important. It may seem trivial, but I think it's absolutely critical. So collection with uh, intelligent algorithms that are traceable that can help you ensure high quality, highest levels of quality, I think, is totally feasible.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I think we are coming towards the end of uh, this discussion. So I have the I have, I have a final question, so to speak, both of you, sirs. So uh, here we are discussing about uh, finding a balance between individual privacy and s- promoting innovation and efficiency. Now, at what level of specificity and granularity in data could that uh, balance be optimally achieved uh, without going too personal? Uh, uh, with, with the data uh, how, how, how I mean how much is too much or how deep we need to go in collecting that data sir, if you could begin and then yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah that's a real sort of problem yeah. but in a census organization as well as in the big uh, demographic surveys, health surveys, mm-hmm. uh, what we have based on our experience have uh, evolved over the period uh-huh. is to have this compromise uh, and you will find many of the census data are given at the lowest small area level that is the village uh-huh. uh, and as you know village is also sometimes could be very big and sometimes could be very small so uh, but a few other data are not which are sensitive uh, and have got question of uh, quality and other things are only statistics are given at a higher level that is for example at at a you know sub district level of a passive or block and in some cases it is given only at the district level so and and so that's how it is and in surveys also because of the sampling and other problems, they are given at the state level and at the district level at best. So as there are ways in technology where it could uh, uh, be still made, you know, at the lower level. But at the same time, one has to be very judicious, and that's why I am saying that the judicious uh, decisions have to be taken at in each case when data are wanted by by. Private agencies and even
0: some cases,
2: the state agencies. Okay. So That's when why you, do, you need, yeah. independent agency.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when it, so uh, the same question I'll add, uh, supplementary, which is that do you think uh, uh, informed consent plus anonymization uh, which is technologically possible, will resolve all these uh, dilemma and we can harvest as much data and uh, use it in any manner as long as you adhere to these two fundamental principles. Yeah. Under, under, the, under the sorry, you are asking but Yeah, yeah, Vingert, yeah. So
1: I think I think both of those are very important. The, to me, those are you know one right? You 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 must have that. But I do think on top of it, you do need a stronger regulatory framework and some independence because the levels of access that you're worried about is multiple, right? Mm-hmm. So it can't be uh, just those two things alone. I don't think. I think they'll be very good, but I think we should think about a stronger framework. But I was also going to say that it's also potentially possible that you separate this into two uh, areas. Uh, think of it in two buckets, in two categories. One is census, right? And your question is relevant there. How, how granular, how you protect. And again, you can use technology to separate layers as Mr. Nanda was also saying. And there are things that you need uh, to be more sensitive, more judicious. And so maybe you have layers, right? Maybe three layers of access. And, uh, you know, you have one layer that every many people can have access to that's completely at a population level. You have another layer that only some people got, you know, and so on. And their uh, informed consent, obviously, and anonymization, uh, I think, is important. But when it comes, what I'm also, also thinking is maybe you separate that out from the uh, health outcomes or the ability for the individual to have their health records, which uh, are for every visit they were all the conditions that they uh, they uh, have and the medications they've taken and so on. That that data maybe you separate from the census data. And that data will obviously reside. Also important for it to be digitally available in a centralized location for that individual across the country. But I think maybe that is independent. So you'd, you know, have a different set of protocols and permissions for that. Right? All technologically possible. Um, but I, I think you need a, uh, you need a strong set of like this HIPAA compliance. Now we have here where every insurance company, every pharmacy, every doctor, every hospital, every individual, or anybody else who needs any access to that kind of data must has to certify that they are compliant, and, and there are you know significant deterrence.
0: Well, I think uh, it is time for us to conclude this edition of uh, the Parley, the Hindus uh, podcast on current affairs. Uh, And we do have a consensus that while technology can do a world of good uh, in delivering uh, health, education and other development outcomes for a developing country like India, one has to be very careful and judicious in its deployment. And there should be independent and robust regulatory mechanism to oversee that process. Thank you, Mr. Venkat Srinivasan and Mr. Ayarnanda for uh, participating in the debate.
1: Thanks Varghese, nice to meet you Mr. Nanda.